Hi guys, and welcome to Hauntedology. I'm your host, Megan, and I cannot wait to dive into this next episode. It is my belief that every city has a story to tell, and it's our job to listen. So let's see what this special city has to tell us today. Savannah's role in the Civil War is legendary. It's one of the only towns left standing during Sherman's famous March to the Sea, and it was preserved and given as a Christmas present to Abraham Lincoln in 1864. If you don't know what the March to the Sea is, allow me to enlighten you. The March was a period of time beginning in November 15th when they first kind of laid boots on the ground in Atlanta and began to destroy it. And it lasted until December 21st, and this was all in the year of 1864. Sherman's March was a military campaign, and it was conducted through Georgia from November 15th to December 21st by Major General William Sherman, or William T. Sherman, as most people know him as. The campaign began with his troops leaving the captured city of Atlanta on November 15th and ended with the capture of the port city of Savannah on December 21st. His forces followed a scorched earth policy, destroying military targets as well as industry, infrastructure, and civilian property and disrupting the Confederacy's economic and transportation networks. The operation was intended to break the back of the confederacy and help lead to its eventual surrender it was a bold move operating deep within enemy territory without a supply line but on top of the wretched or scorched earth policy which literally burnt most of georgia to the ground the campaign was designed by grant sherman to be similar to grant's innovative and successful vicksburg campaign and sherman's meridian campaign in that, Sherman's armies would reduce their need for traditional t- supplies by living off the land. So, after consuming their 20 days of rations, foragers, known as bummers, would provide food seized from local farms for the army while they destroyed the railroads and the manufacturing and agricultural infrastructure of Georgia. In planning for the march, Sherman used livestock and crop production data from the 1860s census to lead his troops through areas where he believed they would be able to forage most effectively. In other words, they got more food and they could probably destroy more. So basically, he paraded them through Georgia, stealing food from farmers and burning all of the history and infrastructure to the ground as well as military targets and anything else he could get some fire on. Union troops systematically destroyed rolling mills, foundries, and machine shops for railroads as well as railroad tracks and depots, factories run by the Confederate government that were capable of making gun carriages, shoes, clothing, and tents were also burned. In short, anything that Atlanta could have used to aid the Confederacy war effort was leveled. Private homes were generally left standing, though he did order 
1,600 Atlanta residents who remained in the city after it fell to the Union Army to leave. When Atlanta's mayor and city council members implored Sherman to reconsider his expulsion order, the general was adamant. War is a cruelty and you cannot refine it, he told the leaders of Atlanta. But my dear sirs, when peace comes, you may call on me for anything. Then I will share with you the last cracker. Brother. So Sherman's forces fanned out along four roads cutting 60 mile swath as they moved south and east of Atlanta. The armies carried a limited amount of supplies intending to forge liberally or more so barge into people's house and eat their food. But anyways, that was the word Sherman used to describe it. To supply the army, foragers or bummers as they came to be called, took sweet potatoes, pigs, corns, chickens, and anything else they could find to sustain themselves. And it helped that Georgia's farmers were just then bringing in the harvest. So everything they had worked the whole year for was systematically just taken from them. The march had at least two main purposes in the view of historians. First, to smash Georgia's war-making potential, and second, to demoralize the civilian population by showing even the most ardent Confederates that their government could not protect them from the Union onslaught. The Union High Command also hoped Sherman would be able to prevent Confederate forces in the Deep South from reinforcing General Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia, thereby assuring an expected war-ending victory in Virginia. Southern leaders, of course, denounced the march, calling it barbaric and cruel in the extreme. They exhorted Southerners to fight the invaders, but relatively few did because Sherman had promised swift and severe retaliation against anyone who tried to attack his forces. Some claimed that Sherman's army cut off from its supply bases deep in enemy territory would perish, but they didn't. So they began in Atlanta and at Milledgeville, which is about 100 miles south of Atlanta, the Union forces entered the capital unopposed. Governor Joe Brown and the legislature hastily fled the town. And Union forces immediately destroyed the state penitentiary, ripped up railroad tracks, and leveled the town's railroad depot. They also blew up the state arsenal, the governor's mansion, and the state capitol, which housed the Georgia State Library on the first floor. They were both badly ransacked, but not completely and totally destroyed. It was said that books were thrown into the street, and at least one soldier was seen riding back and forth over them. There's even a ghost story linked to this. It's a little different than most because the dead in this story are actually from a previous war. Now let me explain. Savannah was spared being burnt to the ground, but it was not spared from being desecrated in many other ways. So, Johnson Square in Savannah is home to a monument of a Revolutionary War hero, Nathaniel Green. He was so high up in rank, he was only second to General George Washington himself. While the square is actually named for South Carolina Colonial Governor Robert Johnson, it is home to a monument of Green. And more than just that, you see, his body 
also lies under its grounds. Green died in the year 1786 and was buried in Savannah's Colonial Park Cemetery. Decades later, while under the Union's occupation during the Civil War, Union soldiers would desecrate the city's cemeteries to the extent that many of Savannah's departed sons and daughters were lost forever. Green and his son, George Washington Green, who was buried alongside him, were not impervious to these acts of vandalism. In the center of Johnson Square, a consolatory monument was built to Green in 1825, the cornerstone of which was laid by fellow hero of the Revolutionary War, Marquis de la Fette. Once Green's remains were rediscovered and his sons were too, they were relocated to Johnson Square, arriving on November 14th of the year 1902. Green lived his life by a certain code. Having resolved his Quaker faith was his righteous patriotism. However, it is believed that all of this unrest in the afterlife has left the spirit of Nathaniel Green bitter, not just for his own disturbance, but for his sons as well. As a result, Green's ghost protects their burial site with fearsome that he had only previously shown when facing the British. It is said that anyone who visits the monuments of Nathaniel Green in the shadows of the night may just be in for a fright when the wary soul of Green emerges. Think your city is haunted? Do you think your city is haunted? Well, if you do, hit me up at Hauntedology on Instagram or Twitter. Send me a DM or a comment or whatever letting me know that you think your city has a story or stories worthy enough to make it onto Hauntedology. Thank you guys so much for listening to Hauntedology. Another great episode is coming your way soon. And I cannot thank you enough. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out on Twitter at Hauntedology or at Megan Noel underscore fit. M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L underscore fit. Or on Instagram at Hauntedology or at Megs underscore Noel, N-E-G-G-S underscore N-O-E-L. Thank you guys so much. Hauntedology is written and edited by me. Thank you guys so much.